0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Spring to Life Podcast. I'm Caitlin, your host slash hormone health coach, fem educator, Pilates instructor, and creator of the Spring to Life Method. My goal is to promote feminine body independence and share stories of female resiliency to help you love your body more and unleash your inner superpower, your period. Period. This week, I wanted to come to you with a little recap of a live masterclass that I taught last week uh, on weeding out the root cause of hormonal imbalances. So this was a live event that I hosted, and the replay is available, and after listening to this episode, you might want to reach out in order to get the full class. But we are going to dive in to the root cause of hormonal imbalances and you will soon find out that it is often one root cause. In the masterclass, we kind of covered three main types of hormonal imbalances, but it's important to note that we have lots of different hormones in our body and there are all sorts of other things that can be going on, but these are three of the main ones that I see a lot, and they tend to overlap as well. So the first one is an estrogen and progesterone imbalance. This can manifest several different ways. It could be PMS symptoms that occur within 10 days of your period. Uh, I kind of insert symptom here, irritability, anxiety, depression, weepiness, insomnia, fluid retention, palpitations, joint pain, headaches, brain fog, cravings, Breast pain, acne, there are so many different things that can be uh, lumped under the title of PMS, but an estrogen and progesterone imbalance could also be short cycles, long cycles, irregular cycles, uh, anovulation, things like this where your, your menstrual cycle is just not occurring in the normal fashion of a 24 to 36 day cycle. The second imbalance that we discussed was elevated androgens, also known as PCOS. So this is uh, elevated androgens as in testosterone, DHEAS. Uh, And there are four different types of PCOS, insulin-resistant, inflammatory, post-pill, and adrenal. Uh, uh, This uh, imbalance affects about 10% of women, and it's not necessarily just one disease. It's a group of symptoms related to an ovulation. So you're not ovulating and having high androgens. Symptoms of this are regular or delayed periods, heavy or long bleeding, hirsutism or facial hair, acne, hair loss, weight gain, infertility, and a risk of diabetes and heart disease. So if you recognize any of those symptoms and you haven't been diagnosed with PCOS, you should Uh, Definitely look into making an appointment with your doctor or seeking out a specialist. I can definitely recommend someone if you are looking for someone with a more natural approach. Um, And you also want to identify the type of PCOS you have, insulin-resistant, inflammatory, post-pill, or adrenal, in order to address your symptoms in the most effective way. And the third hormonal imbalance that we covered in the masterclass is cortisol imbalance. So this is our stress hormone. Uh, The adrenals produce cortisol. They produce more cortisol when we're under stress. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a stress response. The problems arise when you are constantly producing more cortisol um, and you then bring yourself into a state of HPA axis dysfunction, adrenal fatigue, burnout, whatever you want to call it. This is where we are extremely fatigued, anxious, we have insomnia, low libido, low blood pressure, salt cravings, poor immunity, brain fog, PMS, and irregular periods. This one also uh, relates to our cycle as well because under stress, the pituitary gland in the brain produces less FSH, which is follicular stimulating hormone, and LH, which is luteinizing hormone, so it shuts off ovulation. Uh, So you can kind of see how all of this, all three of these relate to having irregular cycles. Now, the main factor contributing to all hormonal imbalances is stress, whether it is from lifestyle, diet, or environmental factors. So let's talk about what some of these stressors can be. The first one, and this is a big one, and I would put this under lifestyle slash environmental is the pill and other hormonal contraceptives. They are often prescribed as a way to regulate hormones. And I have air quotes around that, but this is just a bandaid solution that only masks the symptoms, allowing the root cause of hormonal imbalance to worsen. So This is so important. This is really like the crux of everything that I do. Our reproductive health affects the health of our entire body and our reproductive health is controlled by our hormones. So there is something wrong when you're taking a hormonal contraceptive and it's completely shutting off your normal hormonal function in your body. Hormonal contraceptives as in the pill, the patch, IUDs and injections work by providing your body with synthetic hormones either an estrogen and or a progesterone. And these constant low-level hormones prevent ovulation. Because we have inadequate hormonal levels, we're unable to develop and release an egg or maintain a pregnancy. So they're doing their job, but it's also interfering with what your endocrine system naturally wants to do. So the insufficient estrogen Suppresses growth of the endometrium or the lining of your uterus. So it never becomes rich enough to support implantation. Uh, The insufficient estrogen also stimmies the growth of a follicle into a developed egg. So it's also stopping ovulation. A synthetic progestin increases the thickness of your cervical mucus, which is going to inhibit the movement of sperm into the uterus. So again, it's doing what it's supposed to do, but what is the cost? Now in a normal hormonal cycle, a normal menstrual cycle, ovulation is the main event. And without it, menstruation cannot occur. So in a normal cycle where we have hormonal sufficiency, the brain, the pituitary glands, uh, stimulates FSH, that follicular stimulating hormone. It uh, signals down to the ovaries to start growing the follicles. The growing follicle then produces estrogen, and as that rises and peaks, it then signals back to the brain, back to the pituitary, to release a surge of LH, or luteinizing hormone, which is what causes that follicle to rupture, releasing the egg in ovulation. Once the egg is released, that empty follicle transforms into a temporary endocrine gland known as the corpus luteum, and this is what produces progesterone, which is our feel-good hormone. I want you to remember that progesterone is so important. When we are on a hormonal contraceptive, none of that happens. Uh, The follicle just kind of stays the same, so you're not getting FSH from the brain to stimulate growth no growth, no estrogen, no estrogen, no LH, no LH, no ovulation, no progesterone. And this is also similar to what I was talking about in a cortisol uh, imbalance there. If we're having elevated cortisol, we're talking about under stress, the pituitary gland produces less FSH and LH. So you could kind of correlate what's happening when you're on the pill to what's happening in your body if you're in this prolonged stressed state. Now I talked about this last week, but it's bears repeating the world health organization classifies the pill as a group one carcinogen. So right there, major red flag, other risks that we have are increased risk for blood clots and heart attack, increased risk for breast, cervical and liver cancers retinal clots and loss of vision, increased blood pressure, irregular bleeding, cervical erosion, reduced bone mineral density, glucose intolerance, ovarian cysts, nutrient deficiencies, nausea and vomiting, mood changes and depression, weight gain and excess hair growth, headaches and migraines and low libido. And that is really just the short list of ones that I think are pretty common. So I wanted to include those. Uh, So being on a hormonal contraceptive is putting a lot of stress on your body and you can it's evidenced by all of these symptoms that we then have when we're on the pill and then the fact that you are just messing with what your hormones naturally want to do it's a major source of stress other sources of stress in the lifestyle realm include inadequate sleep chronic stress from work and school relationships just life Those are things that are constantly ongoing in your life. And then we have acute stressors like travel or illness. And so you might notice that, you know, if you have a long trip or if you're sick, it might mess with your cycle a little bit, but usually you're able to regulate after an acute stressor. Chronic stress is the one that you really want to be concerned about and think about what can I do to make this better? We also have over-exercising. This is a huge one. If you have ever been into a really intense workout regimen, you might know that it can impact your cycle in the terms of maybe even shutting your cycle down. I've talked about this before, but I was a professional ballet dancer and I had a very irregular cycle. And at the time I didn't know how important it was. I just knew that if I wasn't getting my period, it meant that I was small enough and I was working hard enough that my body was not stimulating that my body was not making my period happen. And it wasn't really a major concern for me at the time. I wish that it had been, but I just was not educated on it. But over-exercising is directly correlated with having an imbalanced cycle. Under-exercising can also be a problem. If you are not getting your body moving enough, then you, you know, are being more sluggish, then your body is also going to respond in uh, the opposite direction. And then we can kind of lump a lot of these things under nervous system dysregulation. Um, This definitely comes into play when we're talking about uh, cortisol uh, imbalances, when you're extremely burnt out and you're just in this fight or flight response all of the time and your body is never coming back into a parasympathetic state. Uh, next week, I'm going to be, uh, releasing an interview, interview with Lily Fanuc, who is a energy healer, a body codes coach, coach. And she taught a masterclass for me a couple months ago on nervous system regulation and recovering from burnout. She's just so insightful on the process and what's going on in your body and really simple ways in order to to start to integrate practices that are going to help bring your body into a regulated state. It doesn't have to be this crazy retreat or something. It's something that you can start to do in 15 minutes a day, really simple practices. So definitely check that out. And I'll also be uh, offering that masterclass replay next week. Um, But being... Burnt out, being like hustling all the time, if you're super fatigued, if you're in experiencing brain fog, you want to work on bringing your body into a more parasympathetic state in order to allow your body to rebalance. Our next stressor is our diet. So here, we're talking about things like insulin resistance, which it can be the result from high sugar diets, which if you're eating a standard American diet, eating a lot of processed foods, chances are you're getting a high sugar diet. And also hormonal birth control. Hormonal birth control is directly related to glucose intolerance, which you know leads to insulin resistance and uh, can be a real major problem for our hormones. Uh, if you feel like you have hormonal weight gain or you just have stubborn weight that you can't get off or you're really bloated, this is somewhere to look. We then have low calorie, low carb, low fat diets. These are fad diets. You might lose some weight really quick, but chances are it's going to come right back. And the truth of the matter is that women especially need calories. We need carbs for ovulation. We need fat for brain health. So it simply just doesn't make sense to completely cut these uh, nutrients out of our diets, which then brings me to nutrient deficiencies. So I talked about in hormonal birth control, one of the symptoms there being a nutrient deficiency, that's because it interferes with your body's ability to absorb certain nutrients Uh, If you were to get your blood work done, if you're on hormonal birth control, chances are you're going to see very low B vitamins, low omegas, your iron is probably messed up, perhaps your vitamin D. Uh, It slowly erodes at your gut health. You might notice that you have more food sensitivities over time because you're not absorbing certain nutrients, um, and you might just be struggling with what is A good food for you to eat in order to feel good and you know achieve the ideal weight that you feel good at we then have intermittent fasting and I would lump this one in with fad diets as well Uh, having balanced blood sugar is pretty crucial to having balanced hormones in women especially so if you're eating only in an eight-hour window you know, it might work for a time, but I just don't think it's sustainable. Um, We need to be eating every three to four hours. Ideally you're eating within one hour of waking up and then you're eating every three to four hours thereafter and having a balanced plate of protein, fat and carbs. So not just having a piece of fruit for breakfast, not just having coffee for breakfast, you need to be filling yourself up with all of those nutrients. And you might feel like you're eating more food but you are going to see that your energy is more sustained and in the long term you're probably going to achieve your ideal weight at a much faster rate because your body is not in a state of stress. Intermittent fasting can be a state of stress because your body needs food to feel safe. So if you're constantly fasting it can put you into that fight or flight state where you don't know your body doesn't, you might know when you're gonna eat next, but maybe your body doesn't, and then that puts stress on it. And that's when you can tend to hold on to inflammation and you know, just feel like I'm doing everything right, how can I not be losing weight? Um, I experienced this um, before I began my journey into becoming a hormone health coach. I was teaching Pilates, I was going to school online, I was working for my family's business remotely, constantly go, go, go. And I would wake up at five in the morning, make a French press of coffee, take it to go to the studio, teach some lessons, come home, teach some lessons at home, jump on my computer, do some admin work. And by the time like 2 o'clock rolled around, I hadn't really eaten anything except maybe like a bar. And I would be shaky, like ready to pass out, angry, (laughs) angry, brain foggy. And it's because I wasn't eating and I would say I was probably in a calorie deficit a lot of the time at that time in my life, but I was so puffy, so bloated. I felt like I had all of this weight that I just couldn't let go of no matter what I was doing. And as soon as I started eating regularly and eating more nutrient-dense meals regularly, my body let go of that inflammation. And I've seen this in other people, other clients as well. The final one in our diet are inflammatory foods this kind of goes back to that high sugar diet but this is processed sugars alcohol gluten dairy and vegetable and seed oils Um, the biggest ones here i would say are processed sugar alcohol uh, gluten and vegetable and seed oils Uh, dairy you might need to remove for a short period of time and but unless you're lactose intolerant or severely allergic to it Once you've cleared up your gut health, usually adding it in, adding it back in, in high quality organic grass-fed dairy products, A2 dairy products, raw dairy products can be really beneficial to your diet as a great source of protein and fat. Uh, Same goes with gluten. Unless you have a wheat allergy or unless you have celiac disease, once you've allowed your gut to heal, having... High quality gluten products in moderation is usually okay. Um, I especially like sourdough. I tend to not have as much of like the gluten and wheat cravings anymore now that I've worked on my gut health. The same thing goes for sugar. Um, I've all but given up on alcohol. My body just doesn't love it anymore, but that's something you can enjoy as a treat once you have you know, worked on your gut health and gotten yourself into a place where you know what makes your body feel good. I would say the two that we definitely want to stay away from are processed sugar. So it's like packaged foods. Um, and then those vegetable and seed oils, which is also a lot of packaged foods. Um, they're rancid oils like canola oil is in almost everything. I wish Trader Joe's would do something about this because almost everything on their shelves has canola oil in it or soybean oil in it but these are rancid oils that mess with the balance of omega-6 to omega-3 fatty acids in your body. You want a higher ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 but these oils are higher in omega-6s so you can see if you're consuming a lot of them then it's going to throw off that ratio and cause inflammation in your body. Our last stressor is our environmental stressors. These are endocrine disruptors that unfortunately are everywhere they're in fragrances they're in personal care products we have heavy metals and contaminants in our water we've got plastics all around us non-stick surfaces in our kitchens our cleaning products are full of chemicals Um, so pretty much anything that has a fragrance a strong smell is probably not great for you. I remember being a kid in the car and my mom would always put her perfume on. It was CK1 uh, before we got in the car to go somewhere. And I would just feel so sick. I would get a headache almost immediately. And I remember begging her not to put it on. And uh, I usually didn't win that argument. Uh, (laughs) So I often felt sick, but now I know that I was not crazy, that I was not being dramatic, And I know that she wasn't trying to purposefully harm me, but being around fragrances like that can be really impactful on your health. These are endocrine disruptors that mess with the normal function of the hormones in our body. So uh, personal care products are a big one too. This industry is not as regulated as it should be. There are thousands of ingredients that are regulated in the European Union and there's like a fraction of that in the United States. So being a really diligent consumer is super important. Our skin is very porous. It's our largest organ and we are slathering products on all the time, especially as women. So using uh, resources like the EWG app to scan the barcode and check for their safety rating, they have EWG verified products and then a sliding scale of one to five, one being safest, five being the most toxic to just be discerning when you are out shopping and checking in on things. Um, Switching from plastic containers because they can leach BPAs into our foods to glass food containers. I like to repurpose the plastic ones for other uses, other storage uses in my home. Um, Getting rid of those nonstick pans, switching to cast iron, stainless steel, glass, things like that using wood and bamboo and metal cooking utensils all of these are just easy simple swaps that you can start to do to reduce your exposure to endocrine disruptors in your home so i know that seems like a lot and i don't want to overwhelm you but there are really simple things that you can do to get started to reduce the amount of stress on your body, on your endocrine system, and bring your body back into balance. Number one is to address your gut health, balance your macros, and balance your blood sugar. This is going to be huge, especially if you are dealing with burnout, if you're dealing with irregular cycles, this is gonna be a huge one. Next, you wanna prioritize sleep and nervous system regulation, Women need eight to 10 hours of sleep for healthy hormones and allowing yourself to come into a parasympathetic state is also very important for allowing those hormones to come into a balanced state. Next, you wanna start tracking your cycles and becoming aware of your changing energy everything happens in a cycle. I like to call it riding the wave. Once you get familiar with the phases of your cycle, you're able to notice when your energy is higher, when it's lower, when it's supposed to be higher, when it's supposed to be lower. And you can start to notice patterns and record symptoms there. And that can really help you to hone in on what you need to do with your diet, what you need to do with your exercise in order to support those healthy hormones. Next, you want to incorporate low impact exercise. I know a lot of times we think more is more when it comes to exercise, especially if you're trying to hit certain goals. But honestly, a lot of the time, low impact is better. Walking in Pilates for me is that's it. That's all my body feels like it needs. I incorporate some weights during my follicular and ovulatory phase to up the intensity a bit, get a little more cardio in. But From there, I don't really deviate too much, and my body is happier than it's ever been, happier than when I used to dance ballet six to eight hours a day, happier than when I used to do Bikram every day, happier than when I used to do spin multiple times a week. So a lot of times less is more when it comes to exercise. And then lastly, you wanna clean up your environment reducing your exposure to those endocrine disruptors like we were just talking about. And lucky for you, I have a resource to help you get started with this. It is called the Hormone Health Reboot, and it is a self-guided protocol. It is uh, accessible through my Pilates app. So obviously you get access to my cyclical Pilates on-demand library. But with that, you also get Four weeks of meal plans. It's two weeks of detox, two weeks of fortification. So during the detox phase, you are taking out all of those inflammatory food sources and working on balancing your blood sugar, balancing your macros, and then two weeks of fortification where you're adding in high quality animal proteins, high quality dairy, and really starting to just adjust your palate, reduce cravings, and balance your energy throughout the day. And you're gonna see the results reflected in how you feel and eventually in your hormones as well. So if this is something that you are interested in, I'm going to be linking it in the show notes. You also get, um, so you get access to the app for six weeks. You get four weeks of meal plans. There are, uh, there's a whole on-demand library of Pilates videos. And then the really great bonus I think is that there is also a DM, like a chat feature in the app. So you can get DM support from me. So basically you've got a hormone health coach in your pocket while you are doing this hormone health reboot. You also get um, some video lessons as well to help you clean up your environment, to help you get started, to help you set your new routine. So I really wanted to come at this at every angle in order to support you to help you to regulate your hormones and really start to feel better. So if you are interested in that, check out the show notes. If you want to learn a little more about it, you are welcome to DM me on Instagram. I'm at Spring to Life Method. All right, I'm going to wrap it up there. So thank you so much for tuning into the Spring to Life podcast. Check out the show notes for the resources mentioned in this episode. And if you learned something new or if you resonated with this conversation, please share tag me in your Instagram stories at spring to life method, leave a five-star review or simply share it with a girlfriend because all women deserve to know their superpower.